0: So now I think that it's now moving more towards functional medicine rather than holistic because holistic now has. Yeah, so it's moving more towards functional. So functional is basically what holistic used to be. And what that is, it means whenever a doctor who heals is with you and going through your health journey, they look at any aspect that you can heal from. So if that means prescribing you a medication that'll actually help you and heal you, they will prescribe that medication
1: you are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty and we have a very exciting guest on for you here today because um, as you guys may know, maybe, maybe some of you don't, um, I've had an interesting experience in my life when it comes to doctors and health and wellness and, and medical um, things. I've had a lot of friends that are doctors in the traditional doctor and medicine field. Um, And I have a lot of respect for what doctors do and and have done. However, I think my experience personally with doctors has been that doctors oftentimes don't know what they're talking about. And most of the big issues in my life have come through, uh, or or, or big health issues have been healed or been fixed through non-traditional practices of medicine and non-mainstream maybe with that. I had um, a sister of mine who had epilepsy at one point in her life, she was having seizures every eight minutes. The number one doctor in the world for child epilepsy told my parents like, Hey, I don't know what's wrong with you, her. You know, don't know what's wrong with her. Can't help her. Um, anytime I was sick or, you know, had any issues, like my mom was a big, big health freak. So she h- healed us a lot with holistic style of you know medicines or holistic style of, of healing just with the food we ate or the exercises that we did or the essential oils or things that we did. And so My next guest and interview here is someone who um, is friends with uh, Dr. Gladys, right? Yeah, yeah, friends with Dr. Gladys, who's one of the founders of Holistic Medicine. Um, She is just someone who is uh, very, very smart, very, very amazing when it comes to the holistic things. She's very passionate about this. She's an Amazon uh, bestseller. Um, So very, very passionate and smart about these things. And I want to bring on uh, Amy Tarek, right? Amy Tarek, Amy Tarek. Welcome to Think Different Theory. Thank you so much for coming on here. I'm excited for this.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to be here as well.
1: (laughs) So give us a little bit of your background. um, And and for context, you are married to uh, um, Emmy, who we've had on the program before. That's kind of the connection here. But give us a little bit of your background, because I know you come from a small town area, right? And, And have an interesting story to get to where you're at. So give us a little bit about your background and how you got into this whole holistic medicine, healing type thing.
0: Absolutely, so I come, I'm gonna adjust myself real quick. No worries. I come from a very small town in Indiana, um, similar to you. Yeah. And and I went to a um, very small school and I was very athletic. I was a cheerleader, I did dance, I did all the sports. Um, And one night I came home and my heart rate was over 200 beats per minute. And oh I was trying God. to go to bed that night. Yes. And it was so fast. It's so hard. And I knew something wasn't right. So I called an ambulance. And unfortunately, it wasn't my last time calling the ambulance.
1: Mm.
0: So um, this occurred three years. So for years, my heart rate would be 200 beats per minute. Of course, I had to quit all of my athletic activities. Um, I was, you know, one of the best in the class. I'd still received over a million dollars in scholarships for college. Wow. Um, and a whole bunch of awards and stuff like that. So it didn't affect my academics, fortunately. But um, physically, I was basically bedridden. I couldn't do anything. Um, I was so sick. I, I, I had trouble even having a conversation. I had trouble brushing my teeth. Um, how I, old were you at this time? I was when it 18. first happened.
1: Eighteen. Okay, so you were like a senior in high school then. I was a
0: senior in high school. Absolutely.
1: How how much does that change your life when you? I mean, like I'm. I have a girlfriend, right? And she was incredibly, incredibly active in sports in high school as well, right? Like in everything. Small town. I mean, not from Indiana, but from Nebraska. And like, I mean, that a lot hugely defined a lot of what she did. To take that away, I feel like it's got to be a huge shift.
0: It was. um, To give some perspective, I had an award on an essay that described how awful, like before any of this had happened, Uh I wrote an essay about how the worst conceivable thing for me that I could conceive to happen would be for this, for me to lose my ability to do all of this.
1: You and wrote an essay before yeah, you did it, before this yeah, all happened? Oh happened. my God.
0: Yeah. So, um, for me, it was literally the worst thing that could ever happen because I'm such a physical person. Um, it was just like, I, I just can't describe it. Like it was, it sucked. Yeah.
1: So like, I'm. so you're living there. Were you living with parents at this point? Like in um, high school?
0: I was living with parents and, uh, Um, yes. So I was a senior in high school. I was living with my mom and dad. And um, really nobody understood why this was happening. I had some people, um, like my principal at the school, told me despite being contacted by health lawyers and, um, and my doctors themselves and all of that, um, and despite seeing me wearing heart monitors, like I was not well, obviously, <laughs> um, she said that the reason why... I was doing this was because I was overwhelmed and school was too hard and I'm at the top of the class. So school was too hard. And, um, and, uh, and by senior year, I had actually completed all of my credits beforehand. So for senior year, I like I was doing independent studies. That means taking oh classes God. on my own by myself. So I had no reason to be in school by senior year. So obviously school wasn't too hard. I already completed it. Right, uh, right. And so, um, so she was saying that literally the only reason why I stayed in school actually was for cheerleading and dance. But, um, um, huh. She was saying that I was making my heart rate go 200 beats per minute. And I was like.
1: <laughs> right, right. Because that's the thing.
0: And I was like, well, that's really interesting because the only one on recorded history who's ever done that was um gandhi and so i must be pretty cool yeah. if I'm
1: doing <laughs> that. <laughs> that's awesome well i mean not awesome but oh, that's right. funny. yeah
0: and so um but yeah it really did change my life it was very um disheartening and for a long time like i was okay i was always okay with death and death and i was like well if i meant to die i meant to die that's fine i did a lot of cool things i'd already traveled the world by then i'd already um wow been all over Europe and everywhere I wanted to go so I was like whatever it's fine um and so I was okay with death but then I realized that death wasn't coming it wasn't happening Mm. and possibility of me being sick for 50 years began began to like creep into my mind and I was like well I'm okay with dying but I'm not okay with being sick like this for
1: fifty
0: years and you know the doctors I would go to they'd be like oh well you're gonna be on lifelong medications you know You're going to be sick your whole life. And I was like, well, you know, I can't even, like, have a life. I can't do anything that I was, you know, setting out to do. Um, Like, I can't. Like, this isn't a life. Like, I can't live like this. Right, right. So you have to find another way. And they're like, no, this just happens to some people. I'm like, no.
1: (laughs) It's it's crazy to me that that's a thing, though, right? Like, some people just accept that. And, like, I, because of my... You know, background and experience with doctors. Pretty much, never believe anything the doctor says if it doesn't work. If the doctor's like, ah, it's not going to work, or we have no solution for it, I'm like, okay, you're just dumb, and I'm going to go find the solution, right? <laughs> like, if they have a solution, great. But and and, and by the way, I, I want to preface this by saying I'm not trying to disrespect doctors here, right? Like, I understand that they go through, and they do do a lot of research and they do do a lot of study. Like, I I understand that. I'm not saying that they have an easy job, especially in today's world, but right. to blindly accept the fact that a doctor somehow knows it all after four or eight years of studying is maybe a little bit, um, I don't know, it it just seems kind of foolish, but that's my opinion on it. Um, I do want to go... go.
0: The best doctors, the ones who heal, know that they don't know everything. And that's what makes them so great.
1: And I like that a lot. And we're going to get to that because I really want to touch on that point, talking about the doctors who heal. Before I do that, I have two things that I want to touch on. I kind of want to back up. First, okay, from a parent perspective and from an eighteen year old perspective, because there are some there are quite a few parents that still that listen to the podcast here that have some young kids. Um and while that's not maybe the entire you know demo of this, there are you know quite a few people on here we know our demo pretty well. What, like were you bullied? How did your social life change? And what would you tell a parent of someone that is going through? you know, maybe they have a child that, you know, is going through a lot of sickness or is going through things that are not a normal kid's what no normal kid would go through in high school. And maybe that kid's 12, maybe that kid's 16, maybe they're 18. But like, what advice would you have both to the parent and to the child um, to get through this? And how were you able to get through this? Was, was there support? Was there not support? Were you bullied? Like, what was that like?
0: I was absolutely bullied by family, by friends, by um, teachers, by um, adults who should know better, by, you know, students who've always been jealous of my success and, you know, saw this moment of weakness and said, let's get her now, Um, by their parents who didn't like that I was successful. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I was bullied by a lot of people. Uh, And by bullied, how so? Like, you know, whenever I was in a wheelchair, you know, I was they would try to push me over, or wow. you know, try to take my stuff or push me over because I'm also very small. So stuff like that. Um, but you know, whenever you're sick, you see the worst of humanity because you know people who are disabled um, they see the worst. People treat disabled people very poorly. Yeah. Um, but you also get to see the best. You get to see the saints of the communities, and so you get to see the people who. Advocate for people with disabilities, the people who stand up for these things, the people who help and don't expect anything in return. So I focus on the angels.
1: For a parent going through something like this, what would your advice be to them? How can they best support their child?
0: Well, I think it's important to be their advocate because unfortunately, we live in an ageist society, as you probably experienced. So People who are younger than 25 are seen as not able to have thoughts, opinions, or any sort of brain function. Um, And so, really being an advocate for your child is the most important thing because, unfortunately, um, while you're in the United States, um, 18 isn't actually seen as adult. Right. So, you're, nobody, nobody's going to believe an 18 year old when they say, you know, I'm really sick. And even, even though I had all of the doctors, I had a health advocate, I had everything, counselors, everything saying this person's really sick. And on top of that, I'm a female and it's been shown that, you know, females yeah. aren't believed. Um, so with all of that put against me, like it would have been really great to have had parents advocating because mm. that, makes all the difference.
1: And did you have that or no? No, I didn't. Mm. So, and, and if this is too personal, I understand. Um, were your parents not like, like just disconnected or not supportive or what, what was going on in that during that time of everything with them?
0: Um, I think it was a bit of both. I think that they were disconnected and I think that they, um, they just, they didn't want to deal with it but
1: hmm. like they didn't want to deal with it. It wasn't really their problem. They thought interesting. And uh, parents, if you're out there, like I will say, one of the greatest, if not the single greatest contributor to where I'm at today, and I know I get asked that a lot by a lot of people, was the the parenting that I grew up with. So, I mean, if you want to have your kids have success, I think just showing up and being proactive in their life goes a tremendously long way. But that's maybe a conversation for another time. Um, you mentioned about death, like, Hey, you're 18, 19 years old here. You're like, all right, cool. Like I'm good with death. I've accepted that. Uh, then this starts to creep in that, Holy crap. Like maybe I'm going to have to deal with this for 50 years. Um, what made you okay with death and are you religious at all?
0: Um, I was very Catholic growing up, like extremely Catholic. Okay. Um, and so, but I, I'm not sure if that's really what did it. I think the main thing was I had experienced a lot of death in my life um, beforehand and even, yeah, I just, I've experienced a lot of death in my life. So, um, a lot of family members had died. Um, my cousin died when she was 15.
1: Wow.
0: Um, I've had after I was sick and actually once I started getting well, my, one of my best friends from childhood died when he was just, um, so, um,
1: I'm sorry, how old was he?
0: He was 20. And so, um, and so, yeah, I had um, a lot of experiences with death and death around me. And um, I've just come to look at it as a beautiful thing, especially with, you know, I I could talk more into detail with those experiences because um, they're really, really interesting, but I don't know how much time we have. Right, right. <laughs> but yes.
1: Interesting. And, and um, man, death will teach you, especially death of a close family member or friend will teach you things that are not like you just can't be taught right like they're they're not without experiencing it yourself i I think it just brings perspective i mean i know when i lost my brother like man like you know what i mean like you just learn things that you would never learn elsewhere and so to to experience that multiple times i could see why you were at that point um i do want to move on though to the holistic side of things, and talking specifically about the doctors that heal, and um, because I, I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you're a, a lot about that, and I really like what our last conversation that you and I had about that. Um, I was very fascinated with the the way that you talked about doctors and, and how you did that. But before we dive into maybe the specifics of that, maybe bring some context around the different types of doctor slash medical practices out there, like. How are, is what you do or are interested in? Cause you're not, you're not a doctor, right? You're right. not a holistic doctor, but you're very into holistic medicine and holistic healings, correct? Right. So explain the difference between traditional doctors and maybe doctors that heal or holistic doctors and how they view things differently. And then we're going to dive into further on why you believe that and whatnot, but simply from a factual standpoint, what are the differences?
0: So um, I was going to go into uh, pre-med and then um, decided not to do that anymore, not to be a doctor anymore.
1: And this um, was in college? Right. Right, okay.
0: And so um, so the difference between doctors who heal and other doctors is that doctors who heal, they um, they're able to really look into a person and see that they're more than just the um, physical body so there's Mm. also an emotional element there's a mental element there's a spiritual element and then yes there's a physical element but the physical element is also very complicated so for example a typical doctor will think oh you know what's going on in your mouth like a cavity has nothing to do with the rest of your body that's crazy a cavity can produce um, inflammation throughout your whole body which can you know put you into chronic illness or even a root canal that's not done well, Um, there's so many things. Whenever your oral microbiome is um, disrupted, there's so many things that can completely affect your body. There's actually a bacteria in your mouth that has been linked to obesity and diabetes.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. So if it's not in balance, um, you can get obesity, diabetes, cancer, miscarriages, um, pregnancy complications, so many issues. So, the body is not just the body, it is the oral microbiome, it is um, all of the germs that we can't see that encompass our entire body all around us. It's so much more than just what a typical doctor unfortunately might look at. And now some holistic doctors aren't, um, aren't good either, just like some functional doctors aren't good and some um, allopathic doctors aren't good. And so it's, it it's, kind of tricky to um, find one that really um, knows how the whole body comes together. And, um, and not all holistic doctors can do this. Not all allopathic doctors can do this. And not all functional doctors can do this. And just not all doctors can do this because it's, it takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot of Besides thinking, you have to do things from a different way. For example, to do this kind of um, long healing, you can't necessarily work with insurance companies. You can't necessarily um, work with a medical establishment. So you have to have enough money to be an independent um, medical Mm. place, Mm. right? Which many doctors don't have the money for, especially with um, their college. Um, that's so high right besides that you have to be able to not accept insurance which you know um, good doctors you know it's scary for them to do that because then it means not helping as many people but at the same time the reason why a lot of these doctors don't accept insurance is because the insurance companies try to um, force the doctors and pressure the doctors to push out medications that you know people don't need hello opioid crisis yeah for real in america yes and so (laughs) insurance companies really do that they push doctors to push these medications on people that maybe these people don't need um push them to push treatments on people that maybe people don't need and a whole bunch of other things and they um threaten and bully doctors whenever they don't see a ridiculous amount of patients in a day whereas um Doctors who don't accept insurance, they can take three hours talking to you if that's what you need.
1: Right. Well, and I want to I want to touch on that a little bit more because I. So anytime that there is an accusation in in any area of life of like, oh, this group of people is doing X, or you know, is being bullied by X. I'll, there's obviously people out there that are like, oh, that's not happening, right? <laughs> so yes. I, I do want to kind of normalize and and. Maybe talk it doesn't about the fact. happen
0: as long as you do exactly what they say when they say it.
1: Right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, with with doctors, guys, like, yes, there are exceptions to the rules. Like, yes, you know, I, I grew up, thankfully, my my mom, especially my mom, my, my dad worked a whole lot to, you know, to pay the bills and he he was awesome. But like, when it came to health, my mom was very proactive about not only the food that we put in our bodies and we ate organic. And I mean, like we went out of our way to, you know, get grass fed beef and all that stuff. But when we did go to the doctor, which was not often, my mom did extensive research and we would like literally switch doctors um, multiple times until we found one that really went through and and did. And actually, for us, like the doctor that we found actually had the same religious beliefs. Um, And you know, you're talking about and I'm not saying you have to be that extreme necessarily. But when you talk about like, hey, it's more than just the physical aspect of things like we found a doctor that, even though he was in the traditional medicine world, did understand that a whole lot more, and was very open to a lot of the more holistic style of healings. And even he said that the reason, because he used to be an independent practice, and then Obamacare came in, right? He then became part of the his practice with the I don't know, it was like four other doctors there. They became part of the hospital because they literally couldn't afford the fees and the penalties and stuff that Obamacare and the the big companies were placing on them. So from a financial standpoint, they had to become part of the hospital, and now they couldn't prescribe. Like I had really, really bad allergies when I was um, little, so some eye drops that were like hundred dollars a bottle, right? And some Claritin, some heavy duty claridin that was prescription, you know, done. Like he could just, he used to be able to just write me, write up a prescription over the counter, and now he couldn't. And like I had to actually go in and have an appointment, and he's like, I have to give you X number of options and tell you that you should have X number thing. So like even, even him, even someone that like didn't even want to do it yeah. but tell me was like, Hey, like we're being this pressured. And so when you say that, I think a, a lot of listeners, especially in an entrepreneurial world, they're like, Oh yeah, just, we'll just screw the government. You can't in this case, right? <laughs> like it's a real thing. Like you, yeah. the companies it's are a def-
0: situation,
1: right. It really is, which yeah. makes it incredibly difficult to be a doctor right now, mm-hmm. which is why I say like, I do have a lot of respect for doctors. I think that they're wrong a lot of the times, but I think maybe a lot, maybe not a lot of it, but there is definitely an element of that to say, maybe they think they know better than what they're actually telling you to do. But simply because when's the last time you spent three hours at the doctor? In front of the doctor, right? Like it's like 10 minutes in and out. Like they they only have that much allotted time um, due to insurance companies. And that is very, very frustrating. And, you know, talking about the opioid crisis, like, it leads to things like that. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And there are so many doctors who are just absolutely heartbroken over the system and burnt out and just so tired cuz we're talking about good people with big hearts who went into there expecting, you know, to actually help people, the system not allowing them to help people. It's depression is now rampant among doctors yeah. and physicians. It's very very sad.
1: Which is just crazy, right? Because yeah. like and, and which and once again What are your thoughts on this? Because like I kind of grew up and I've kind of maybe made uh, accepted some of my own ideology. I'm not saying that I got this from parents or whatever, but like I kind of look at things and go, if the person that I'm listening from or learning from does not have the result that I want, I'm not going to listen to them, right? So like if I go to a doctor and they're super struggling with depression, I'm probably not going to take advice on them on how to overcome depression. But at the same time, they're a doctor. So like if a doctor is struggling from depression or like things like that, like should they be practicing? Like, how do, you, how do you balance that? Ah, uh,
0: That is such a tricky subject. I think that as long as they are making sound decisions and helping people that they should be practicing, but hopefully they have enough self-awareness to know, you know, yeah. when they're helping people and when they're not.
1: Yeah. Okay. Really quickly, I, I do want to move on to the holistic side of things because that's what excites me most. I know that you're big on that, but yeah. you mentioned the op- opioid crisis. Um I, I'm pretty familiar with everything that's going on maybe not everything that's going on there but mm-hmm. the the lawsuits that are going on right now uh the family that is or, and the company that has now filed for bankruptcy I think it's what a 14 billion dollar or 12 billion dollar suit basically that they're having to pay um what are your thoughts on the o- opioid crisis just in general briefly
0: We've seen like ever since I was a little girl I saw People just taking Tylenols like they were candy, and aspirin like they are like they're candy. And those aren't opioids, but they are painkillers. And so it's not really much of a shocker that you know those don't affect people anymore. I don't take any pain medications, and wow. everybody in America is like, "What? You don't take pain medications? How do you survive?" It's like the way we have for millennia. <laughs> like, right. like pain medications haven't been around that long, and um. And whenever you start looking into all of the side effects, especially on women, pain medications on women have more side effects than they do for men. And whenever you look at those side effects, you're like, a lot of people are like, oh, those are rare. Those don't really happen. They're not that rare. Um, And they are happening because we see such a huge rise in people with chronic illness, such a huge rise in people who are sick and struggling. And, you know, everybody's been giving their kids Tylenol since they were two years old. So we got to look into that.
1: I I like what you said there. Like people think that it's rare, but it's really not that rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really rare if you take Tylenol one time for you to get a disease, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? Or twice, but like, you know, when you're taking ibuprofen and Advil or Tylenol or whatever on a,
0: some people take them every day. It's like, what? right. It's (laughs) like,
1: what? And it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, just i am really big on objective thinking right like really big at taking a step back into this third party view and being like huh okay we were clearly created one way right why would you put something into your body constantly every single day and expect there not to be a side effect to it because it's not natural and it is as much as i wish this wasn't the case because believe me there is absolutely no one that i've ever met that loves mcdonald's and you know dr pepper and you know absolute terrible junk food for you as much as i do like i love those things and i wish that they were healthy for you and i wish that you know like you could eat them without side effects but like it isn't natural right like and when you're putting something that is literally not natural into your body that is that process like and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this, like I still eat them <laughs> at times, right? But like, what I'm saying is like, you can't expect there to be normal things that go down. And then they go to the doctor and it's like, why am I sick? And the doctor's like, well, here's another non-natural thing to put into your body. So you go from non-natural to even more non-natural. And then that has side effects and it's not, and it's just a spiral out of control mess. So with that all being said, let's move yeah, to- And that means that I going to say-
0: I don't take pain medications, but it doesn't mean I'm against it. I just, I, if I was in severe pain, like I broke my leg, I would, I preferably I'd take an injectable pain medication because those work better um, at, you know, making you not feel pain. So I would definitely go to the hospital and take that pain medication because it's not nice, but right. I'm just saying. I don't, I don't, like, why would I take it just because my muscles are sore after a workout? Like, no.
1: Right, right. <laughs> and and I think there are different levels of pain right. and different types. Yeah. I mean, like, a broken bone is significantly different than, <laughs> you know... the a, pain a,
0: meds for that, please. Right, <laughs> like
1: a gut problem or, you know, muscle yeah. problems or things like that. Like, yo, know, if you've got a broken bone, like, get numbed up, right? <laughs> I, I'm going, I have a dentist appointment today and I'm probably going to have to, you know, be all the... Uh, <laughs> numb me right you know what I mean like take it away or I, I get that but I think Oh,
0: interesting enough my dentist actually um whenever I went they didn't numb me up because he's he's a magnificent dentist and I felt no pain whatsoever what? so um I think he filled two cavities I wasn't numbed up at all I was terrified <laughs> oh honest, my right? word not no numb no pain I did bite him though Wow. That's
1: funny. Well, yeah. I'm going to have to tell my doctor or my dentist to step it up. That's funny. That's
0: funny.
1: Okay, so holistic medicine. Um well, Okay, so there's holistic medicine, traditional medicine, and there was another medicine that medical practice that you mentioned starts with an A. What was it? Allopathic. Okay, what's what's the difference between that and holistic medicine?
0: Um that's basically like your traditional medicine. So Dr. Gladys has both um is both allopathic and holistic because she was the one who invented holistic medicine so of course before holistic there was only one which was allopathic
1: so allopathic is the,
0: the mainstream
1: so mainstream like doctor medicine um
0: yeah like both holistic uh holistic doctors are still doctors
1: do you have to do you have to get like a degree to be a holistic doctor yes so you do okay so the you are not an an I think this actually is a really important point to clarify, so I'm glad we're here. You're not just performing medical procedures or diagnoses on people without some form of degree or something that says, hey, I actually do know what I'm talking about, correct?
0: Yes, holistic doctors are doctors. They are trained medically. Mm -hmm. So
1: let's, let's talk about... Doctors that heal versus doctors that don't heal, or doctor—I I forget exactly how you yeah. put it—the last conversation that we have. I it was so I mean, good
0: the last time I did it. <laughs> and, and, the,
1: and, and the differences between the two of those, because like, I was like, "Wow, that makes so much sense." And our last conversation, and for those that are wondering, you talk about this last conversation. We actually did an interview for the podcast, and then the file got corrupted, so we're redoing this interview. Um, but one of the big takeaways that I had from there was. Right. From you was, there are doctors that prescribe, and there are doctors that heal, right? So there are doctors that go in and say, "You have X problem right here. I do not look at the context of everything as a whole. I simply go, "I read the manual, or I know from past experience of like, "Oh, you've got this, this says it's going to be the cure for it. I'm going to prescribe you it." And, and I'm overgeneralizing here, people, like uh, you know, but for, for the yeah. most part, it's doctors that prescribe versus doctors that heal what makes holistic medicine so attractive or working? And and like, why do people have so much success there versus just doctors that prescribe?
0: So now I think that um, it's now moving more towards functional medicine rather than holistic because holistic now has, um, yeah. So it's moving more towards functional. So functional is basically what holistic used to be. And um, what that is, is that, it means, whenever a doctor who heals is with you and going through your health journey, um, they look at any aspect that you can heal from. So if that means prescribing you a medication that'll actually help you and heal you, they will prescribe that medication. Um, but if that means, hey, you have, you know, a cold why don't you just take these remedies and it'll help you get over it and prevent another cold from happening. Or let's say for me personally, so um, no doctor told me to do this. This is just something I do on my own. I, um, I've been giving strep throat um, for like two times a year for a very long time. I had my tonsils removed when I was five, which you know I don't really recommend anybody doing now. There's like um, a lot of research about how you know you should probably keep your tonsils if you really, really can, you should really hold on to them. Um, but anyways, I don't recommend it, but it happened. And I've been getting, um, strep throat about two times a year ever since my whole life. And so obviously I can't be on antibiotics that much. And, you know, being on antibiotics that much, you will, um, begin to get a, um, um, antibiotic resistance, which will, you know, make you die next time you need antibiotics and they don't work. So, um, which, you know, is something that a lot of medica- medicine, the whole medicine um, field is worried about because, you know, now there's um, antibiotics in our chicken and in our meat. So it's developing anti um, antibiotic resistance and people just because they're not eating, they're eating antibiotics through their meat and through their products. Anyway, so whenever I get strep throat, I don't get antibiotics and I'm not telling people, hey, you should do this because if you don't do it right, you will die. So. Right. Don't right. don't do this, but right. what I have to do for me. So, right. um, if, if a normal person has strep throat, just get your antibiotics. But right. for me, okay. I get it so often I do this way. But um so whenever I get strep throat, you know, I get tested, I get the swab, it says yes, you're positive for strep. I um take manuka honey, I take ginger, I take a whole bunch of other things. And then most importantly, I go right back in and I get it swabbed and it's like, "Oh, you don't have strep anymore." And so um, there are so many ways to heal infections. And what's interesting is that we have a whole population of people who truly believe humans would die without any antibiotics, like all of humanity. It's like right. we have evolved and survived for millenniums right. without antibiotics. Like we are okay. Right. <laughs> um, there are so many options. So, and so,
1: so I, I want I want to... Well, counter that even though i agree with you let me play the devil's advocate i I think
0: i think there are cases where you need antibiotics that's what i'm saying for a normal person if you have strep throat take antibiotics
1: and i agree with you but i want to i want to counter play the devil's advocate here Mm -hmm. on the hey we've survived for you know thousands and thousands and thousands of years right so like um we Pretty much I think everyone would agree that we are the most populated we ever have been on the earth, right? I mean, we're at what seven over seven billion people, right? We do not have widespread plague diseases that are wiping out mass millions of people like we did in the past, right? But
0: now we have chronic illnesses.
1: But now we have chronic illness. And I and I agree with you that a hundred percent. Like we have something that may be, I don't want to say worse because I'm not saying that you know p- people living versus people dying is worse but could one argue and and I want to be clear like I'm on the side to say we don't need a lot of antibiotics not that they're terribly bad but in, in think could one argue to say antibiotics while they have jacked people up at least they've kept people alive or do you believe that there was
0: remedies with it, it definitely has saved lives, yes. But there are so many remedies that, you know, we can get that are often cheaper that we can also use.
1: So for example, and I'm going to use the example of the black plague. And if you have a better example um, of this, and like, you know, some other big case of, of sickness that has gone through that you can- the black plague to-
0: was viral, um, then it wouldn't have, then antibiotics wouldn't have worked on it regardless because-
1: And that's my question.
0: bacterial. So I, I don't know much about the black plague. I'm going to google okay. do- Real quick. If it's viral, then it wouldn't have worked
1: anyways. Well, because so one of the things and and my mom's a big, big health nerd, right? Like, I mean, yeah. health geek and, and pr- one of the smartest when it comes to that, she's basically dedicated her whole life to that because of my sister. You know, her big thing was, hey, if the black flag happened today, which we don't expect it to. But hypothetically, she's like the number one thing that I would tell you to do is she's like you go to the store and you get as much garlic as you possibly could. And you cover, you eat it, you ingest it, you put it all over yourself, you put it up your nose, like you, any and everywhere you consume, like just clothes of garlic. And to this day, whenever I'm sick, and you know, people that are close to me, especially my girlfriend absolutely hates it. Because like, whenever you eat garlic, it like comes out your pores and you smell like it is awful, right? But it heals you, right? It really does. And it, it kills so many things. So my big thing when it comes to, and and the argument, and once again, I'm playing the devil's advocate on this, even though I agree with you, people have come to me and been like, well, Josh, if we would have had antibiotics or we would have had modern day medicine during, you know, the black plague or some of these huge plagues like, um, we could have saved a lot of people. And my argument back is to say, well, we don't know that. Right. Well, I don't know that, right. You don't know that. Maybe you're a doctor. So maybe you do, but one could also argue, I feel like, and just say, if we were just more informed
0: well, now as you a know. whole, <laughs> yeah.
1: right? Like not even just medicine. Like maybe they didn't know back then that garlic was, you know, a thing. Like yeah. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, with the Black Plague, there's a lot of things. So yeah, it was a virus. Um, antibiotics treat bacteria, not viruses. Wouldn't have worked anyways. But um, the whole bad
1: thing example, was but that,
0: yeah, sanitation, washing your hands. So um, having running water in homes um, taking regular showers, washing your hands, cleaning. Um, those are all things that prevent huge plagues. Hmm. So the fact that we have running water in the last, I don't know how long we've had running water, but that's the biggest thing. In countries where there is no running water, you see a whole bunch of illnesses.
1: Cause it's standing water. That actually makes a lot of sense. Cause we just had, um, there was a case of West Nile virus, actually four, four cases of West Nile virus here in the County that I live in. And there was a big alert everywhere. It was like any form of standing water that you see, go dump it out. If you're by a pond, get away from it. Like do not let water stand. And I, I think that that's probably a, a huge factor into that. So
0: having clean water is what changes the world. Like, honestly, it's that simple. It's it, it they, People, you know, say so much about science. Science is wonderful, but having clean water is better.
1: <laughs> it is better. We need to invest a whole lot more yeah. money into uh, clean water to the world. I know I mean, we're made
0: seventy-five percent of water, our body. Like it's a big yeah, deal. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. <laughs> we're not yeah.
0: made seventy-five percent of medicine. <laughs> right.
1: Right. And that's actually a super good point. I think and and people say there um do you happen to know a guy by the name of Alex Sharfin?
0: Yeah. I think I've I've heard of him before. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably
1: through Amy or whatever. So Alex Sharfin is a business coach guy, systems dude, whatever. uh, Performance. He has this water challenge where you're supposed to drink. I forget how much it was, but basically, you're supposed to keep a bottle of water by you at all times throughout the day. And any. (laughs) <laughs> there you go so at any time you're thirsty you're supposed to take a drink right yeah. and you're supposed to drink at least it's like x number of gallons i think it's over a gallon of water per day
0: and I t- t- your body like if you um if you're um petite or small you're not going to drink as much water as right. like a person
1: but i did that for a week 10 days something wow. like that a while ago the difference that it made and i don't know why i stopped honestly like the difference <laughs> that it made outside of the fact that i had to use the restroom all the time for that week. I mean like I probably went to the bathroom like nine or 10 times in a day like for that week. It was people crazy.
0: Under your desk.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but it made a difference. I felt more focused, I felt more complete, I wasn't as hungry, like
0: not as tired.
1: Yeah, right, not as tired, like more it's clarity.
0: Water is a miracle drug. <laughs> it
1: really is. And if you yeah. people are always like take more, you know, I just need more whatever and don't get me wrong like I love Adderall, right? Like I love, you know, there are certain things that like every now and then when I'm super focused, yeah. I'm like, man, I just, or when I'm not focused, and I need to be, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, give me an Adderall. But like <laughs> water is kind of like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when it's consistent enough. And I don't think people understand that. So hmm. what, what about, okay. So you mentioned you've got these holistic doctors and actually let me back up. What's the difference you said between functional and holistic now?
0: um so functional um it integrates um all kinds of medicines and it really looks as a whole body as a whole holistic um some doctors do the same and some only focus on holistic treatments. so they won't prescribe you Mm, um, a medication so i think that it's more important to look at everything as a whole and if you need medicine get medicine but I agree with that. Maybe try all other avenues first. Maybe first. If you yeah. want to.
1: Yeah. Whatever. How how important is diet when it comes to health?
0: I think that it is extremely important. Of course, if you're gonna eat McDonald's every day, three times a day, it doesn't matter what medications you're gonna have, you're gonna be sick.
1: Right. So
0: medicine and exercise can't fix a bad diet. It just can't.
1: That that's There's
0: a pill you can take. There's not a supplement you can take that'll make it okay for you to eat McDonald's three times a day. Sorry, McDonald's.
1: (laughs) Sorry, McDonald's. Sorry, sorry, my, my love. Uh,
0: Don't sue me McDonald's.
1: (laughs) I think McDonald's probably knows that better than anyone. Um, So when it, let's get kind of practical here. Okay. Um, Medicine and healing is obviously an incredibly touchy subject. And I want to, end the conversation with vaccines. So prepare yourself. Um, but let's be practical in the sense of, let's say I'm a parent and I have a a child or I'm a 25 year old like myself and I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to take care of myself, what doctors to choose, whatever that may be. How do I determine what is good and what is bad? Not good. Or what what am I looking for when it comes to choosing a doctor or finding a, for lack of a better word, diet? You know, finding finding help in time of sickness. And I know this is kind of broad, but like, what are you looking for to say, like, hey, I trust this doctor or I trust this style of healing? um, versus cause like I can have three different holistic doctors in front of me that probably tell me slightly different things or even very different things, right? Same thing with traditional doctors. So what specifically am I looking for in a doctor that makes me want to trust them?
0: Right. So I think, um, a real understanding of the medical promise of first, do no harm, um, and understanding and respect for the mother's voice because. Throughout medical history, um, a mother's voice was not important. So we mm. need doctors who really respect women and the mother's voice. Um, because think about how different your sister would have been if you know doctors respected your mother. Um,
1: yeah, for real.
0: Yes. So that's a big issue. Um, a doctor who does those two things is probably going to be a real good doctor, and it's sad to say that that's rare. But. Wow. <laughs> That's the main foundation. So a doctor who really respects the woman's voice is probably going to respect your child and really want them to be well.
1: When you say first do no harm, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of medicine out there that does not follow that.
0: There is, yes.
1: But I, And I've heard that before from you know the first do no harm. I feel like that's kind of like a core principle of doctors though, right? Or should yeah.
0: be? Yeah, I think that they have been to give... Um, an overview: um, the people who fund the medical textbooks for um, college students who are becoming doctors is the pharmaceutical companies.
1: No way. Yes.
0: Oh so,
1: my gosh.
0: <laughs> so, um, and a lot of these young kids who go to be a doctor, they just listen to whatever they're being told without much thinking about where this is coming from, and so. It's a lot of mindlessness about it. They're like, oh, aspirin helps people. Even if they don't need it, it helps people regardless. It's like, no, if you're giving it to somebody that it doesn't help, it can give them an ulcer. It can give them these side effects, you know, all of these things. So no, not necessarily. But they they don't ever think past it very much. They just take what they're taught and they go with it. They don't really think much harder than that.
1: And I feel like, I mean, it doesn't make them bad people,
0: it doesn't make them bad people. It just they weren't they weren't thinking
1: about it. And, and right. And this is why I think it's so important. And this is why I would, you know, think different theory podcast, right? I mean, my whole life, I've thought differently just about pretty much everything. When someone tells me something, I'm like, eh. you know, not because like my thought process, especially in regards to this, because I want to be very clear. I'm not, and I don't think you are either. We're not bashing doctors. Yeah. But what we are saying is that whether you're a doctor or a patient, you don't want to accept things blindly at face value right like
0: and the best doctors don't like let's be real the doctors who are number one in their fields will say the exact same thing
1: right and so if you're a college student right now if you are someone that's wanting to go into the medical practices or whatever like there is a reason that hospitals and medical practices or whatever are billion dollar companies right and are the way that they are a lot of it isn't due to corruption a lot of it is due to the fact that there you know is genuinely good people involved and good help involved but also large majority especially when you study business and what it takes to scale a business like to scale a billion dollar company you need to be ruthless right like and you have company you know medical companies out there that are multiple billion you know multi-billion dollar companies and so i think i would encourage everybody out there and I would be curious your thoughts on this as well. Like be super okay with questioning the status quo. Don't default to thinking that it's wrong necessarily, but default to putting it in a state of this is unknown until I can prove it right. Um, or until I can have legitimate evidence to back up the reason that I believe that. Right. Would you agree?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Last topic. Cause we're running short on time and I feel like I could talk about this for hours with you. Yeah. Um,
0: we got through a lot that we could literally talk for hours on each of those. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, before we dive into this last one where if people are like, you know, listening or whatever, where can they find a little bit more about you if they wanted to learn more about this?
0: So, um, I'll just show my book. So I have a Ooh, website yeah. that's a life with health. Dot com, And then I also have my website, which is amietaric.com, A-I-M-E-E-T-A-R-I-Q, and um, social media.
1: Perfect. Uh, we will link all of that down below and actually we'll link your book as well. Uh, it's on Amazon, um, Amazon bestseller. So guys, pick that up. Um, and we'll link those down below. So check that out. L- let's move on to this final topic of, of vaccines. Um, Oh, this is my
0: favorite topic.
1: More controversial than the opioid crisis and every other thing combined, (laughs) I feel like. People get
0: death threats over this, either way.
1: Huge, (laughs) and it's insanity. Uh, I saw a post the other day on Facebook from a lady who was like, her daughter was not allowed to attend school unless she had mandatory vaccines. And a lot of the comments were totally pro that. They were like, yeah, no way should your daughter be allowed to attend school. That's a health threat to every other student in there that has the vaccine. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me because if you have the vaccine and somebody else doesn't have the vaccine, shouldn't you be protected? So like, Mm -hmm. I don't know enough about vaccines to make an informed decision absolutely one way or the other. I know that I default not to having them Except when absolutely needed, um, I'm getting ready to go on a world trip. There are mandatory vaccines in some of the countries that we're going to. We're going to get those vaccines. Oh. And i I was vaccinated as a child. Um, I don't want to go into you know personal information about you know families and and what vaccines that we've had. But I think that my mom's uh, view on vaccines is kind of where I stand, which is um, vaccines aren't inherently bad. I don't believe, but it seems to be a pretty stupid idea to ingest a six-month-old or a three-day-old child with 20 different vaccines when they're just coming into this world where do you stand on vaccines huh what's
0: interesting is that children don't even have an immune system until they're like two years old which is why they can't eat honey before they're a certain age because if they eat honey they die because they don't have an immune system so where are we're, we're giving them vaccines for their immune system that they don't have. So that's an interesting point to so, think of. But,
1: but why, how did it come about then? Like if that, if that's the case
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know way more about this than I do, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it's a genuine question here. Is like, why would a doctor do it?
0: Because they're told to.
1: But what, is it a money thing? Like, is is that really what it's about? Like, it, it, it seems yeah. to me that some doctor... I mean, I know there's millions of them. I,
0: people are listening right now, and they're angry. Oh,
1: so <laughs> angry! And, guy, like, by the way,
0: I'm angry. not, I'm not I mad at you for vaccinating angry. your kids, right? I'm not mad at you for yeah, vaccinating you're your kids right now. Being angry, I hear it.
1: <laughs> but like, it just doesn't make sense to me, and and um. I, I have not heard and and once again, I, I want to hear your opinion on this, but like, I have not heard a single legitimate argument, and I'm not saying it's not out there. But I personally have not heard a single legitimate argument that makes logical sense to me to ingest the dozens of vaccines that go into a baby. Now, at some older time in life, like, I have my tetanus shot. I have, like, I have I think I've had all the vaccines when I was, even when I was younger, my, my mom wasn't anti-vaccines. And I don't want to say she's anti-vaccines. I don't want to put words in her mouth. But like, like back then, like, I'm vaccinated, right? So like, but for me, and I'm like, I, I turned out just fine, right? So, but- It doesn't make sense. So,
0: So, um, yeah, so it doesn't really make sense to give it to a newborn baby who doesn't have an immune system, but you know, people are going to say what they want, regardless of logic. Um, also, um, there's a lot of, um, Mm -hmm. okay. So just because you take aspirin every day doesn't mean that I can do it and not have a reaction to it. Right. So every person has a different Mm -hmm. microbiology. They have different, um, um, gut flora, they have a different um, environment, they have different genetic variables, they have different, everything about uh, each person, individual is different. So while one person can take a ton of medic pain medications or even a ton of alcohol and not feel anything, I take just a little bit of alcohol and I'm drunk. Right. So everybody has different thresholds for everything. There are variables for everything. So what's interesting also in vaccine. A vaccine for a child is the same for an adult. A vaccine for a little girl is the same as a six-foot man. Um, Really?
1: So these are all very
0: interesting. Nowhere in medicine would we be doing that. Yeah, nowhere nowhere else in medicine would we be doing this. But, you know, it's okay here, apparently. So the other problem is not the virus that's in the vaccine, um, but all of the heavy metals and other ingredients that they put into vaccines, which is what causes... A lot of reactions. Now, if you have I've heard that, yeah. If you have the MTHFR gene mutation, which you know people are saying doesn't exist, isn't real. Um, it's real, it's scientifically proven. You are allergic to heavy metals. I am, for example, I can only wear platinum. So that is the most oh. expensive metal. These earrings, they are platinum, they cost me a lot of money. My wedding ring cost me a lot of money. I am allergic to silver. I'm allergic to any other metal that That's isn't so interesting.
1: My <laughs> girlfriend's the same way, except not for yeah. platinum. Hers is gold. Like she can only wear pure gold, any form of any other metal. Her whole skin goes into allergic reaction. The way happens.
0: The metal. She probably has that gene mutation. She should look into it. Um, yeah, she, she needs to look into that. Um, it it'll, it'll also, if she has that, it also means that she's very sensitive to pain medications, taking the, a loaded dose for pain medication could kill her in the future, so she should probably like look into that. Now, of course, a mm. lot of people say that's not real. It's not real. Well, it is real. You know, I <laughs> see the best doctors in the world. I have money. Um, it's a right. real thing. <laughs> right. right. Um, um, and so whenever you give these people vaccines, they have reactions. Right. And then on top of that, um, whenever you give, for example, on the packet itself, it says do not give to pregnant women or to people with chronic illness. And also do not give to somebody who is constantly around somebody with chronic illness. Who would that be? Um, some doctors and you know caretakers and of course other people. So why are they pushing vaccines for pregnant women if right there on the packet it says not tested, how it reacts to pregnant women? That's another issue. And then we see um, we see issues where with people with chronic illness or going through cancer, um, and they have immune, um, they they're lacking an immune system. So what happens with many vaccines? It actually sheds the virus. So then, for example, whenever huh. I didn't have an immune system because of everything I was going through, um, Imran was forced to take the MMR, even though he already had measles, he already had chickenpox, and he had antibodies to all of that. He was still forced to take that. Even though he had Rubella, even he's had all of those things because he got sick with that as a kid Mm. and um, and he was already vaccinated with it as well. His parents were doctors. Um, So he was already vaccinated. He already even had those diseases, but he was still told that he had to take it, take get that vaccine. He took it and then I was immunocompromised and I got yeah. I got horrible, horrible rashes all over my body. I had to wear wow. gloves. I had fever. It, it sucked for me. And I had, I remember telling the doctors like, but I'm immunocompromised. He's going to be around me. And it says right there, like, can Don't there be it. a way around it? They didn't let us have a way around it. Now wow. we do lawyers and fight all that, but you know, whatever. Um, so they risk people's lives. And they say that they're saving people's lives, And, and, you know, what's interesting in a lot of those comments, they say you have to take a vaccine because you have to protect the people who are immunocompromised and can't take vaccines. I was immunocompromised. They forced my husband to take the vaccine and I got infected. They don't freaking care. They don't freaking care. So So whenever you take the flu, um, now there's the flu vaccine that's through the nose. Whenever you take that, it spreads to everyone. I got sick so many times because everyone around me was getting those flu vaccines. So whenever people make the argument, it's to protect the people who don't have an immune system. That was me and nobody protected me.
1: So what a uh, man This is so messed up. And if you're yep. pro, if you're pro vaccine, I, I don't hate you, right? Like it's it's fine. I'm 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 just I'm <laughs> genuinely trying to I'm understand. Pro that.
0: vaccine that works, but we got to find right. something that
1: works. Right. So <laughs> here's my question: If a vaccine worked, all right. So like, let's use the school example. Uh, m- required to you know for you to go in and you know everybody have the vaccine. Um, Fifty kids in a room. If forty of those kids have the vaccine. And 10 of them don't. And one person comes in with that sickness. The nine people that It's
0: been proven that all of those um times that it's been spread was spread through people who had the vaccine and the virus shed. So, so, if you so don't like, have the virus, you can't spread it.
1: Right. So with with the vaccine though.
0: So the people who are um who are in danger are the people who don't have the vaccines, not the ones who already have
1: it. And that's my, my, that's my thinking, yeah. right? It's like, if, <laughs> if if you if I choose not to have a vaccine, I am saying, okay, listen, I understand. Okay. So for example, I've been vaccinated for chickenpox. Right. Um, there was a big discussion on whether or not a, a friend of mine um, was going to get, and this was when we were much younger, but um, a friend of mine was like, I don't know. Well, a friend of my parents, whatever. They're like, hey, I don't know whether or not we're going to give our, our kids uh the chicken pox vaccine now i believe they ended up doing it you know because of you know the the health concerns or whatever for the chicken pox whatever but like Mm -hmm. i'm sitting there thinking and i remember thinking this why should like if i have the vaccine and you don't want to get the vaccine why would i care right like Mm -hmm. i'm not like if the vaccine is doing its job shouldn't i not have to worry about getting chicken pox from somebody or, or any disease, yeah, right? There's so a, um, I don't understand why they're The
0: herd, um, herd effect and that they they say that it's because of the herd effect that, you know, everybody in a herd has to get it. But you know, people who believe that won't see anything outside of it. So.
1: I, yeah, I just don't, it just doesn't make any logical sense to yeah. me. If you want to choose yourself to be protected and you want to get the vaccine and you've done your research and are like, "Yep, I think vaccines are fine go and do that. But it doesn't make any sense to me why somebody else should have to because if mm-hmm. somebody else doesn't have it, if you do have it, right. you literally got it so you wouldn't get the disease. Not, you know, I, and, I, I just don't understand.
0: Yeah, I mean, what you're touching on is an American principle. In the Constitution, we have a right for liberty and um, liberty life, means life, liberty medical and the medical it, yeah. consent. So we have a right to choose It's in the Constitution. It's our constitutional right. It's our human right to choose not to do certain medical procedures. They're taking away that right. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's unconstitutional for them to take away our right to medical consent. Okay, And that's why the next thing that they're taking, trying to take away is homeschooling.
1: Yeah, that's super. And I was homeschooled my whole yeah. life, and my all my all my siblings were. And um, there's an organization called HSLDA, which is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which is incredible. Um, and we're friends with a lot of people over there. We've given money to that. Um, my parents are very involved in that as well. Um, I, I'm a huge believer in homeschooling. I, I'm a huge believer in, in that. I, I f- firmly expect to I'm
0: trying to take that away.
1: And they they are. They re- and it is kind of context around that. We were originally like a 30-second backstory of my life. My parents sold, my dad quit his job, sold the house. They packed everything that we had in the back of an RV and we started driving across country. We had no idea where we were gonna go. This was when I was 11. We were headed to Vermont. We ended up in Indiana. The reason that my parents stayed in Indiana was because the Vermont homeschooling laws were terrible and the Indiana homeschooling laws were amazing and it was much easier to homeschool in Indiana and that's why we ended up staying in Indiana. So like homeschooling, I'm really, really big on homeschooling. Okay, do you have time for one more question?
0: Uh, absolutely.
1: Okay, last question. Once again, really practical. And just to, actually before I do that, vaccines guys, do your research. I'm not <laughs> saying that they're going to kill you or that they're awful or that they're terrible or you're a horrible human being. I'm just saying I don't get why everybody thinks that they need to have them. Everybody else does. From a perspective of, there's a lot of people that don't have money. Right. Medicine, especially in today's era, is ridiculous ridiculously expensive. I used to sell life and health insurance. Like you know it, I know it. Anybody that's been in the medical community for any number of times knows this is absolutely insane. Um, for those people that don't have money but want to be informed and want to know their options and need to get started, what? Where would you recommend? Is there is there a website or is there a set of resources, a book, where they can go to start learning about alternatives to traditional medicine? or know how to save money with, um, you know, stuff is, it, is there resources for those people that don't have money? Because you know, you, you're blessed, I'm blessed, but like a lot of people aren't, where would you recommend them start to start learning it's, about?
0: these? um, things? really difficult now because now even on Google, um, they have decided to penalize any sites that are like that. So they're now more difficult to <sighs> find it on Google. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, ah! um, And um, I don't know what to say. It's going to be much harder now than it was five years ago. Um, Everybody's getting penalized for, for, you know, promoting um, holistic ideas. And so there is no freedom of speech right now. We're seeing that being taken away. There is no um, right to choose. There's no medical consent right now. We are seeing all of our rights being taken away little by little. Um, and a lot of people are okay with that and pro that but you know, you want to see America be gone fine um, uh. <laughs> But but so yes, yeah, so right now um, It's very difficult books cost a lot of money. I've spent over thousands of dollars on all of my books yeah. um, for all of these things so I I spent as much on my books as like people pay for like a full college education yeah. books are expensive um, it's gonna be hard but like just online research if you don't have any money then the best you can do is online research but it's going to be really really difficult now so you just have to push through it if you don't have money the best thing is finding a way to get money unfortunately and it sounds so privileged to say but yeah yeah it's actually easier to find a way to get money at this point than it is to try to jump through all those hoops and yeah. it sounds terrible and it is privileged and you know what it is and this is sort of on purpose they don't want people without money to magic. have access. Right. Yeah.
1: And, and it's sad. So for those of you out there that are listening, or if you have friends that are like, you know, uh, and a lot of you that are listening probably are, are the motivated driven individual type. But if you have friends out there that are struggling financially, or if that is you, we, I think as Amy alluded to, we're we're both very aware of the fact that just saying go find money is an incredibly it's, controversial or privileged thing to stops. say.
0: But that's, this is like the gravity of the situation. It's literally easier to do that than to try to jump through all these hoops. And, and we're,
1: we're, we're telling you that yeah. out of love, out of caringness. Like, I know if you've never made money before, or if you've only worked a nine to five job where you make $14 an hour for your whole life, like the thought of going out there and finding money is like this foreign concept. But I'm telling you, like, it is not that difficult, especially when you put it, it I, I would venture to say. It's your oxygen
0: and, mask. You have to put on your oxygen mask.
1: Exactly. And I would venture to say that it is going to be substan- significantly, significantly easier for you to go out in the next six months or a year from now to learn how to make an extra, even if you made an extra $20,000 in the next 12 months and use that $20,000 to go get access to your medicine or um, to the the medical researches and, and the, the information that's out there. It is significantly easier to do that than to try to spend the next 12 months saving every penny that you have to, and, and going out and doing things. So like, there's so many ways now with the internet It's a double-edged sword, but
0: right I, now I, in the world that we live, if you don't have money, it's going to be very hard for you to be healthy and I, it sucks. And I'm sorry it that it is that way, but it's how it is. I don't want it to be that way, but
1: nobody does. Well, yeah. that's a lie. There are definitely <laughs> people that do N- nobody with a heart, yeah. uh, I, I believe does. But, um, yeah, I, Last question for you. And this is just a quick question because we had it on our last one and I want you to say it again. I asked you on the last interview that we did, if someone could do one thing per day uh, to help move them in the direction of staying healthy, one simple thing that anybody could do, what would that thing be? I want to see if your answer is the same.
0: Oh, okay. I remember last time what my answer was, but now this time I really want to say drink water.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, top two things.
0: Um, yeah, so be grateful, wake up every morning and just dwell in gratitude and just have the spirit of grateful for what you have because stress kills more people than anything else. So you can be, you can have the best diet in the world, but if you're miserable, you're going to die faster than somebody who eats McDonald's regularly. So just taking care of your inner self.
1: Yeah, I think that's super important. There's a, a study I read, I think it was from Harvard. I think it was Harvard um, that came out with a study that said that it it's scientifically proven that people that uh, stress and worry um, age faster and um, die sooner. Yes. Um, like, that's insane. Yeah, so, some
0: people can smoke cigarettes until they're like 90 something and be fine. While well, somebody does it like 10 times and, you know, they have cancer. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: So, so drink water, Uh, be grateful and thankful. And the thing that you said last time too, which really stuck out to me because I did not do this enough was eat fruits and fruits and vegetables every single day. Like just like one thing, eat fruits and vegetables every single day. Um, (laughs) which I try to do now. Um, I try to get in some form of salad or whatever. I have my terrible habit of Starbucks, but I try to (laughs) offset that with, with some fruits and vegetables. uh, I'm
0: proud of you for doing that.
1: I started drinking green juice actually.
0: That's what I do. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I I go (laughs) to the Yes. Walmart and buy the, uh, the organic, I think it's Bolt House Farms or something like that over in the organic section. I just buy these huge bottles and I drink like one every other day. So <laughs> trying to get clean there. So, um, Amy, this has been absolutely amazing. Um, uh, I want to move to some really quick rapid fire questions if you don't mind. Um, and for those of you that are looking for more research resources, um, learn more about Amy, we're going to link her website, uh, her book, all the links and stuff down below. I'm also going to link this, is not related to Amy, but I also am going to link a Facebook group called wellness rising. Um, a friend of mine who they're out of Chicago, actually, they're moving to Las Vegas, um, who are very, very proactive when it comes to health and wellness. Um, they're very big into the organic. They're very big into, um, Government like government regulations against like five G and like five G health and everything that's going on there and bees and honey um, they have a lot of really good free resources so I'm gonna link that group down below along with Amy's book and and her website or whatever so make sure to check that out okay rapid fire questions really quick um, what has been your favorite book or resource that you personally have read um, that was the most eye opening for you uh, when it comes to health and wellness ooh
0: that's a hard one um, I really liked. Yeah, I'm gonna say um, it's just so difficult because there are so many aspects of health. (laughs) Um, I really love all of Gladys's books, so I want to say to read that first and foremost. But then um, that wasn't the first book that I read that really opened my eyes to everything. Um, I'd have to say um, I was always very interested in um, science and medicine and why we do the things we do. So one of my first books that I read was, um, the study of breast implants, the history of breasts. Hmm. And so, um, why do people get implants and why do we do that? Even though we know that it makes a lot of people sick. Um, and one of the reasons why I was interested in that is because whenever I was living in Spain, when I was 17, it was all over the news, you know, um, all of the side effects of, Breast implants, and that's unspoken of in the United States. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it's still unspoken of, whereas a lot of other countries are open about it. And so that mm. was one of the first books that I read, and it was so eye opening that, you know, it didn't talk just about implants, it talked about how powerful a woman's breasts are. Yes. Interesting. And so, um, whenever we feed the children that we birth, it went into all of the details of that, but also how American breast milk has more pesticides and fire uh-huh. um, fire retardants in our breast milk than anyone else's in Europe and other places. Uh-huh. And why? Because you know there's some foods that allow that used to. I think the laws might have changed now, but they used to allow fire retardants inside of foods like Gatorade or things like that. Um, and of course, all over our furniture and all of this stuff. So. There's a lot of differences in our breast milk because we were in America versus safer and health safer in the sense of toxin-free countries. So um, that was such a huge, huge eye-opener about how something that we don't think about can have such a tremendous effect, not just on us but on generations to come.
1: Huh? That's super, super cool. Yeah. Um, what has been the thing that you have done in your life that has received the most criticism?
0: Everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's hard. Um. I guess like really, you know, I just did everything that everybody told me that I shouldn't do. You know, I dropped out of college. I got married young. I, um... I healed in my own way, not how the doctors told me. I didn't take a normal nine to five. I did a business. Um, literally everything that I've done.
1: <laughs> That's awesome, I, and I love that. That's just so me in every way. Just go out there and do it. Um,
0: how about the viewers? You pick
1: what you hate the most. Yeah, <laughs> oh, 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 viewers, what do you hate the most? The fact that she's anti-vaccine, the fact that she's anti-medicine, the fact that she wants... To, oh man. Okay. Um. Second last rapid. <laughs> that's funny. Second don't do, last don't rapid don't do it fire.
0: Without us even having to say. I'm don't sure. No, even made it to this part. They've already made ten comments. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm sure they have. They probably are DMing me on on Instagram at, at right now, and they're like, "How dare you have someone that's anti-vaccine on." <laughs> Oh my guys, we do love you, and once again, this is a thing different theory. We're gonna have we contra it. We're gonna have controversial people on here all over the place. So um, I mean, that's good. That's good. Um, where's been the favorite place that you have traveled to? I know you said you're you've traveled a lot around the world. I'm getting ready to go on a four month world trip, which is super exciting. Um, what's been your favorite place?
0: It's hard to pick. Um, I'm not. I'm gonna skip scenery. Okay. Because there's so many beautiful palaces, right? I can't yep. even, with with natural wonders, I can't. Right. right. So um, I'm gonna not do that category. I'm gonna say art because I love art, okay. and Barcelona is the most mm. beautiful artistic place. There's uh, the art is everywhere. Um, yes, Gaudi. Do some research on him. See all of his art things that you can see. And it blew my mind. I think I was, I think I was 14 when I first went to Barcelona and, um, it's still my favorite place to this day. Wow. That's awesome. We'll have to stop by
1: Barcelona. Then we're going to, um, uh, Barcelona, Spain, uh, we're going to Ibiza. So, um, we'll have to s- swing by, uh, Barcelona then maybe, um, there's, yeah, absolutely. We're gonna be right there. there's
0: oh. a lot of do it for the arts.
1: Do it for the art. Do it for the art. Um, All right, last question. And I've asked you this question before, but you're gonna have to answer it again because, you know, we are doing this interview for the second time. Um, Fast forward to the end of your life. You're on your deathbed and everything that you've done is wiped away. Nobody knows who you are. However, every single person that you've touched or influenced in your life, either directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with a final message about life. What is that message?
0: You're capable. You're You're capable capable to do anything.
1: Do you want to expound upon that at all? Because I feel like that's kind of deep.
0: We have so many possibilities and there are the world by the time, if if I live to be 90 something, the world is going to be so different. Yeah. That we can't even imagine. And that in itself proves everything we're capable of. Like right now we are capable of world peace. We're capable of it. We just got to do it. Like we're capable of so many things, whether it be um, world world peace or having the coolest gadgets or living a life that we're proud of. We're capable of it all.
1: Hmm. I think it's interesting that you say that, especially with the analogy of like, how old are you now? 25. 25. So if you live to be, that's crazy. Um, So if you live to be 90, I mean, that's another 65 years. Like you look at your life 25 years ago, like when you were born, that was, you know, 1994, right? Um, so I was born this in 94, is
0: where too. Everybody had cell phones. Yeah, we cell didn't. phone weren't
1: the thing. The internet basically wasn't a thing, right? I mean, it was yeah, just yeah. coming to the thing. Amazon was founded in 1994, so Amazon wasn't a thing. Facebook, like, this, I mean, that's pretty incredible where we've come in 25 years. And we're talking one, two and a half more of those um, and how different the world is gonna look then. I mean, I'm sure, like, I don't know, teleportation probably be a thing who knows um so that is crazy and we are capable of so so much so amy thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it thank you for staying late um and doing this this has been absolutely a pleasure i can't wait to put this interview out and get all the hate comments back it's gonna be
0: so fun. Uh, we should make a song about it we should like make a rap song about all the hate comments
1: Every DM, hey guys if you're hating on us just know give us some good content because we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to read off some dms in this rap the thing and be like you know, I, I don't know the call, out their username on Instagram said, but, and then just wrap it that it be fun. And, and I know Lauren, uh, you know, Lauren, um, Lauren talked to, to Emmy and was like, yo, if we ever do a song, like, you know, can you get us a, a jet? And he's like, oh yeah, we'll get you a private jet. So we'll have to. We'll have to go out, we'll and do you the, and me, and we'll do the on, our
0: private jet. On, on a
1: private jet about all the the hate DMs about uh, the anti-vaccine people. <laughs> yeah. Talk about white privilege, right there. Oh my <laughs> gosh, this is so politically incorrect. All right, Amy, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. Huh?
0: We got you covered. isn't white, and I was born in Mexico. Okay, so that's perfect.
1: Gone. So we're not not white privilege. It's just me. Um, <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, guys, this has been Think Different Theory with Josh Forty and Amy Tarek. Um, you know where to find us. At, uh, on Instagram, at Josh Forty, at Think Different Theory. Hit me up at the DM. Let, let us know your feedback, what you like, what you didn't like. Uh, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different. Thinking different is literally the cornerstone of being able to go out and create change in the world. And whether that's in the medical... Uh, industry or not, whatever field that you're in, thinking different is the cornerstone of that. So make sure to think different. I love you all. And I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace.